podcast. On this weekly show, you'll hear from visionary entrepreneurs who are living life on their own terms and building their dream business day by day. In each episode of the podcast, we chat about what it looks like to live an inspired life in our chosen career paths and entrepreneurial ventures, in the way that we approach our health and in our daily routines. Our episodes feature in-person conversations only in order to maintain the realness and honesty that comes from sitting side-by-side with our guests as we chat. From six-figure business owners who have created the company of their wildest dreams to startup entrepreneurs who vulnerably share the highs and lows of turning their passion into a lifelong project, we never shy away from authentic conversations. As you begin to listen to the episodes, I know that you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we've all got a bit of visionary inside of us. However, for many of us, somewhere along the path, someone told us to hide it, to play small, to play safe, to hide our talents and creativity. This show will help you break down those beliefs, and we know that you'll be moved by the stories of people just like you who started listening to their inner voice and stopped listening to the noise of the world. It's in you, it's in all of us, so let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back. You are going to love this week's episode. I recorded it on an apple orchard, which is a literal dream come true for me since podcasts and apples are two of my favorite things in life. But despite the setting of where it was recorded, we get down to business with Amelia and her dad, Colin. More on how I ended up interviewing both of them in a bit. I took away some powerful lessons from this episode, and here's just a really quick synopsis. Number one, be okay with financial risk when opening a business. Number two, read The Lean Startup and practice the principles of the book if you want to test the waters instead of going all in. I will link that book in the show notes for you. Number three, don't talk about things, do things. Number four, look for grants that you can apply for. There are many, many available Number five, if you want to start a business, make a business plan, get to work, encounter obstacles, fail, and go for it. Now let's take a pause so I can share a little bit more about a freebie that I created for you. Now this one is for all of you who are in need of a website makeover. Maybe you've started your website, maybe you haven't, maybe you're a business owner, maybe you're not. But everybody should have a website this day and age. And I kind of think that having a website is essentially like having a business card or having a resume. It's a non-negotiable. Now, if you need to craft your website, then you'll want to download my free website checklist that outlines everything you need to create a great website. One that's eye-catching, that has captivating sales pages, that people know what your messaging is. So head to www.kelseyridle.com slash checklist. That's kelseyridle.com slash checklist. And you can download that freebie. All right, back to the show. So I had actually booked this interview with Amelia and Matt, the founders of Apple Falls Cider. But when I showed up to the orchard one evening in June, I was greeted by Amelia and her dad, Colin. Matt had a soccer game that he couldn't miss, so he was out. Colin had no plans that evening, so he wanted to learn about podcasting. I think he's probably in his 60s. So we all sat down, 
opened some ciders to sip on, and one thing led to another, and Colin actually offered to be on the show. I loved the spontaneity of this episode. Colin, who is Amelia's dad, has been the driving force behind Campbell's Apple Orchard over the past 40 years and has built it into what it is today, so I can think of no better visionary to have on the show. He is an example of hard work, dedication, family values, and he truly has so much joy and passion for what he does. Now, Amelia is the daughter of Colin, and she's the one that I was chatting with back and forth to get her on the podcast to learn the story of Apple Falls Cider. So together, her and her boyfriend, Matt, launched Apple Falls Cider, which is a hard cider company that uses Campbell's apples, and they've been wildly successful in their pursuit as young business owners. After the interview, they all invited me over for a swim, for dinner, and to check out their incredible property, which is just across the street from their large orchard. And so it was really cool. I took them up on the property tour, but I had recorded three interviews that day, so I was ready to crash and burn and just head home to my hotel. But truly, guys, I want to let you know that that's the hospitality of Prince Edward County in Ontario, and that's where we recorded this interview. That's the joy of having face-to-face conversations with people is that I'm right there with them. It's different than being over Skype, you know, like we're able to have that continued relationship afterwards to hang out, to really experience what a day in the life of them is like. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. Like I mentioned, we're not just chatting apples and ciders. We are getting into the nitty gritty of the business, how it all began, how the cider company came from the orchard, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe this podcast. Just pop open your podcast app, hit search, type in Visionary Life, scroll down and just give it a five-star review. It really helps me out. Enjoy. So I'm back. I forgot to share with you a couple things. Um, I know it has been two weeks since the last podcast and the last podcast was all about planning a visionary wedding without stress and enjoying the process and still living your life and all that stuff. Well, since then, I actually got married, Um, you know, just breezed by that detail as I recorded my previous intro, and I know that I want to share a little bit more about my day, but I did just kind of want to give you a life update on the sense that, yes, the wedding happened, we got married in Muskoka here in Canada, and it was so much fun. I took every opportunity to look around. We did a weekend wedding, so it lasted um, about 48 hours, I guess. And I really took every opportunity to just soak it in and to have fun. And, you know, I saw other people enjoying the weekend and I thought, why not me? So I made sure to participate in the games and to have drinks when I wanted to and to stay up late and not sleep the whole weekend. I just wanted to enjoy every moment of the big event that I planned. And I know a lot of people said, gosh, you'll be so busy. You won't even eat on your wedding day. You don't have time to truly enjoy it or soak it in. But guys, that's just crazy talk. You absolutely have time to enjoy it. You absolutely should be enjoying the food that you paid for. And so I just, you know, 
I'm so grateful that it happened and the day was wonderful. It rained on and off all weekend, but managed to hold off uh, for our ceremony outdoors. So I'll share some pictures as I get them over on Instagram at Kelsey Rydal. And after the wedding, we had one day and then we took off on our honeymoon. So that's why there was no episode last week. We went to Belize, which is right beside Guatemala. And this country was truly incredible. It's a smaller country. Uh, It's comprised of a lot of jungle and a lot of beaches. So we spent the first four days of our vacation in total isolation in the midst of a jungle, us and the monkeys. (laughs) Um, There was truly nothing to do but enjoy nature there. And it was so refreshing. Um, I truly enjoyed the community that we stayed in. It was an eco community. And if you're interested in that, you can look up Better in Belize. And for the final four days, we did some island hopping. So we went to Ambergris Key and Key Cocker in Belize, two pretty well-known islands, and just totally lived up that island life. We did snorkeling. We were at beach bars. We were biking around because there were no cars on the one island. Um, We were laying in hammocks. We were getting sunburnt, we were getting caught in rainstorms, and we just had a blast. So in true fashion, our adventurous wedding morphed into an adventurous honeymoon, and Dave and I just soaked up every bit of that special time of going on a honeymoon. You know, we thought about postponing it, but I'm really glad that we went right away. And Maybe I'll share more on my wedding at some point, but I also am really excited about some updates and evolutions in my business. So I have been working on something and I haven't shared a lot about it, but it is a business program for anyone who's looking to turn their ideas into action and begin creating the life and business that they dream about. Um, This is for people who are needing accountability and support as they build their business, whether that's a side hustle, a passion project, or if you're looking to grow a full-time income and quit your job. Um, This is for people who maybe don't have the right skills or the motivation to do it alone, uh, or for people who are feeling stuck and just need tools and guidance to grow. I am giving you everything, literally my heart and soul wrapped up in a business program. Um, If you want to know the name of it, if you want to find out a couple more details, and if you want to be the first to hear about early bird pricing, I want you to head to www.kelseyridle.com slash waitlist or click through the link in my Instagram bio. That's where you're going to hear about it. Guys, it starts in less than a month. So don't hold off. Get yourself on the wait list and I will share more details in the coming days. Colin and Amelia, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm thrilled to be right here on site at Campbell's Orchard and Apple Falls Cider. And we get to sip on, what are we sipping on right now, Amelia? Our premier cider. Our premier cider, which Mm -hmm. is delicious. And I wasn't a cider person up until last year. (laughs) Really? And now I feel like, why drink beer when you can drink cider? It's (laughs) so good. I wasn't either, you know? And and I, just the other day, I had a choice between beer and cider, and I took cider, and that would be... It was an apple floss out of there, right? It was. Yeah, better than (laughs) bed. 
<laughs> but I was out. I tried a, uh, another competitor's, and I didn't like it as as well. And, well you're and, also biased. Uh, He's biased. Yeah. But I, also, <laughs> I never liked it before. I never. I can't even mention names, but but uh, You've this been is very refreshing, and and uh, I don't know. I really like it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very good. So I'll definitely be picking some up for my <laughs> night tonight. Um, okay, so let's let the listeners get to know you both a little bit better. Amelia, we'll start with you. Uh, is there a favorite way that you have to wind down on a Friday night? Um, a glass of apple setting. Yes, <laughs> good answer. That's what we expected from you. No, yeah, just a drink or Caesar. Yeah. I like Caesars. Ooh, yes, so good. Very Canadian um, of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is one thing you do each day that's non-negotiable? Um... Non-negotiable each day. I mean, I would. I hate to say it, but I would. Um, I would check my social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have the orchard. I have apple full cider, and I can't not do it. Even though there's some days I wish I could just like hide my phone and not have it with me. But like, you, some like a weird part of you gets addicted to it. Uh, completely. I understand because my other business that I spend <laughs> about 30 hours a week on is actually social media consulting. Mm-hmm. So I constantly am checking in for clients and yeah. creating their content and posting it. So unfortunately, I spend a lot of time online, but hey, it's created a job uh-huh. for me. So as much as I hate it, I also am very grateful to it. And you have all your friends. And you have all your friends. <laughs> you know what's up. You don't need to call them. <laughs> Um, and uh, Amelia, what did you go to school for, if anything? I went to Gu- the University of Guelph for uh, marketing and management. So cool. uh, that was a four-year degree. Awesome. Um, and I finished probably about six years ago now, which is crazy. Nice. I'm from Kitchener, so I know oh, Guelph really? very well. Yeah. Um, all right, Colin, let's go over to you now. So what's your favorite way to wind down on a Friday night? It would be definitely mm-hmm. having some wine of some sort. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily just Friday night either. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should open that question up. Favorite way to wind down every single night of your life. But, uh, we have a nice swimming pool and, <clears throat> and we'll float around in the pool and, and have some cider or beer or wine or that sounds amazing. The to, yeah. <laughs> and you live nearby to here, right? We live right across the street <laughs> from a business, so it's not a big commute for me. Uh, so so we, you know, we have fun. We try to have as much fun, but we try to keep a schedule. We work like nine to five thirty yep. or whatever, and and uh, we've always done that. I know when Amelia and John were growing up here, it sometimes drove them crazy because most of their friends would come home from school and their parents are not here. Yeah, there, you know, so they could play video games. Totally. <laughs> but we're always here, and and uh, they would always have chores to do or whatever. They wouldn't be able to just sit in the house and. I think that developed the the strong work ethic. That Absolutely, both our kids have. yeah, that's cool, and we'll definitely dig into all that. <laughs> Good, um, Colin. <laughs> what is one thing you do each day that's non-negotiable? My days are so varied. Uh, I, Diane says, "What are you doing today?" I, say, oh, I don't know. I, I just no. I, your days yeah. would be listening to CBC. Why? Well, okay. You can't not. <laughs> okay. Do that. Actually, yeah, oh, that's and about and it. Rat it you out. You're right. I, I, you should start listening to podcasts instead. I'll turn on CBC, what's going on in the world, and I get the Globe and Mail, and and, yep. uh, and I watch CTV News. So I'm, I, I try to stay fairly informed. Yeah. And uh, before I go out and get the weather and whatever else, so you know, because I work outside all the time, I really like to know what's going to be happening in the weather. Absolutely. And, and, uh, so yeah. Cool. <laughs> and did you go to school for anything? And if so, what? 
I was at the University of Guelph also for oh, five years, and I also have a degree family. in agricultural yeah. economics and business. Awesome. And uh, so, yeah, no, we're, we're uh, my wife Diane went life. to Guelph also. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my, my whole family went to the same school, oh, too, they did. so I like to think that we were also brainwashed. Like, I think my parents, like, literally just would constantly repeat it as I was sleeping, because that's the school I ended up at. So that's funny. Well, I had um, a poster, University of Guelph, in my room. <laughs> <laughs> They're giving you shirts yeah. for Christmas. You're like, thanks. Um, okay, so let's zoom the lens back. We're very grateful. We have Colin, who's one of the founders of Campbell's Orchards here, and I didn't even know you were going to be here. So I'm <laughs> excited to pick your brain on this insanely awesome apple orchard that we are on and learn all about it. So first of all, could you give us a little bit of context onto what is Campbell's Orchards and when did it all start? Well, we moved here. Uh, my family basically moved from Toronto in the... 1969 and when I was in grade five and so my brother Stuart and I just raced around here on motorcycles and whatever else as our father was cleaning it all up because it was really a rundown uh, ramshackle of a property. Did you move here because your parents my, bought the orchard? Yes my parent my dad wanted to retire early to a farm. Oh, okay. And then when I was at the University of Guelph and in, in uh, third year my dad was killed in a tragic plane crash with all his friends. Oh my. And uh so I was sort of thrown into it. He had a full-time job still. He was hoping to retire in like uh, six years. And then so my mom was just ready to sell it and get out. And so really when I was 20, I decided to, you know, we still ran it through our summers. And then... Well, we it was were, really just like a roadside market. Really, it was just a like, little picnic table at the side of the road. Okay. So it wasn't and really an orchard or what no, are the it's trees always here? Been, this has been an orchard since the 1800s. Okay. There's some trees you're looking at are behind me are over 100 years old. And the previous owner, who was a Dutch woman, told us it was always known as the raspberry farm. And always the fruits and vegetables here had more flavor because of the heavy clay soil. Oh, neat. So people talk about tawar with grapes, but there's definitely a tawar with uh, apples also. And strawberries. Our strawberries are always sweeter than anyone's. Yeah. Maybe okay. not bigger, but they're sweeter. <laughs> so you're 20 years old. You are kind of left with this orchard that you could potentially, you know, take over or start working in. What happens from there? Describe the process of how you kind of turned right, it well, around. I was able to graduate. I was able to, we had some really good staff who took over the place while I was at school. And we still work here. Hmm? Like Brenda. Yeah, Brenda still comes at Christmas time and works. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's from 19, well, the accident was in 79. And so then Diane and I were married in 82 as soon as we graduated from Guelph. And we've literally been doing it full time. I've literally really not ever had a job. And, uh, and so have you ever made a this resume? This is your first time. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a resume? Yeah, I would yeah, love to know never, that. Uh, no. no. It would be a pretty short one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you have to, when you're thrown into, you know, into it, you just sort of learn on the go. And the government, we had some really good government of Ontario. There was Smithfield Research Station, and they were very sympathetic and came out and helped us a lot. Mm. And some local growers also pitched in and, you know, helped with stuff. But we literally just started, continued to renovate and build things and add to it. And, and uh, one, we won a couple awards a few years ago, and one of the interviewers said, how do you do it every year, every year? And they said, well, you know what? If we don't do it, we don't eat. <laughs> it's just that yep, easy absolutely. because we don't have a pension fund or a, 
or anything behind us. It's just this is it. And, yeah. and but we were able to put our kids to university, and we have a nice home, and we have whatever else and we travel. So it's you know there's there's no job in the world is is a bowl of cherries every day. Absolutely not. And uh, we've had one of our workers was killed one year was a tragedy we had, and mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's all on Google. You can Google us. It's all, you know, you Google it for... You're making everyone curious. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because our whole lives have been really followed. Now, that really, I Googled ourselves the other day. Oh, gosh, that's still there. Yeah. And uh, So you, I guess, kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship. Like, I'm sure you weren't always envisioning running this orchard and, and no, creating it into no, what it I is today. No, but I was today. always interested in agriculture, and I always yep. was, um, my father still worked full-time, so I was literally doing it as a summer job because he, he was working all the time. Mm -hmm. and so I did it all anyway, so it was an easy transition. Yeah. Because I, you know, and he was building it up himself, and he built this, the body of the building, he was planting the trees and this and that, and, and uh, and then on Christmas Eve of 96, we had a fire and it oh, all burned wow. down. Oh my gosh. And uh, so then we rebuilt like it. Part's that, an addition. That's all new and the okay. top's new and the body, the, it's a concrete block, so a lot of it stayed. But we lost everything basically and so we had to start again and, and we rebuilt it all winter and through 97 and we were over, able to open in June for strawberries that year. So we really didn't... Uh, lose a pace and we ended up with a beautiful new building yeah and, it's always a uh, uh, you know a silver lining but the sale that we built the cider house when the year Millie was born in 1989 and again we used to have our cider custom pressed by a neighbor and he just informed us that winter oh I'm not pressing cider any longer and so we had to hustle around and build a building find equipment and then get into the cider business and yeah. it was again you knew I had no choice really and so uh so we named it Amelia Cider House. I saw that. that. I love that. Ironic. The year she was born, and we had Lyle Van Cleef, the Minister of Agriculture, help us open it up, and and uh, we started pressing cider that year. And uh, sounds like you've had a lot of good community support around you over the years. And yeah, people well, no, have stepped in to help. Awesome. And people have watched the business evolve, and our kids grow up, and yeah. people. We've had customers who've been coming for that many years, and I re remember the opening with. Amelia as a, as a babe in swaddling clothes. Yeah. So while we have you here, I feel like you probably have just a wealth of knowledge on what it takes to run a business and lessons learned. What would you say are some of the very most key learnings that you have gathered from running a business for as long as you have that you could offer up to any entrepreneur really who's on their own journey? Well, keeping your debt down, like our business yeah. in agriculture is exposed to a lot of business risk. There's business and financial risk that you have to balance. And in, mm -hmm. a, in a business that has a high business risk, like agriculture, where you're exposed to Mother Nature's whims, like we had a hailstorm, or you have a drought, or you have a frost, or you have this or that. If you have your financial risk high, where you're buying fancy new trucks and this and that, uh, you're going to get in trouble real fast. And so we've always kept our debt down as low as we can and just buy and pay for things as we go. And, and uh, I, I see businesses right now. I was almost criticizing this young couple who were going out and buying this, you know, $70,000 tractor for this teeny little orchard. And I said, are you planting 100 acres? They went, oh no, five acres. I went, 
you know, you, you could get away with a four-wheeler and a spare from Costco for mm -hmm. the first couple of years. You don't need a $70,000 tractor. You couldn't, you could, $70,000 would buy all the tractors. We have four tractors and that's not <laughs> worth anything, you know. Awesome. So, so just keeping your debt down, mm -hmm. your business risk Very low. Important. Your business, no, you can't keep your business risk low. It's, 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 it's your financial risk we have to keep low. Yeah. Because of the high business risk. And what has been the most rewarding thing for you being an entrepreneur? I say being able to watch our kids grow up uh, every day and not, you know, there's barely been a day I've missed uh, seeing yeah. Amelia and John. And I think a lot of parents don't have that luxury. And, 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 and I don't know, they just, it's just been a great place to raise kids. And, yeah. and uh, as you, you know, it just becomes your world, your life's biggest project. And it's, I think it's been pretty successful. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I think that segues nicely into you, Amelia. So uh, let's chat about what was your involvement in this business growing up? Or did you have any involvement? No, as I, yeah, a child? no, I for sure. Like we literally grew up. Like from not being able to walk, we were like sitting in apple bins. It was apple was, bins were the, her playpen. That was like our playpen while our ki while our parents worked. Basically, I would love to see those photos. Yeah, they're yeah. like there's wallowing like a, in apple bins. <laughs> there's a whole so scrapbook cute. in there. <laughs> so cute. Um, but no, I I came in and out. Like obviously, you have like your teenage years where you're like, I want to hang out with my friends and of everything. Course. But like my friends were always like super involved in like the orchard also yeah for example my friend well we would always want to go to the mall and like it was always torture to get my parents to drive us yep. places because they're always busy so I'd be like oh Rachel's coming over we want to go to the mall can you drive us and they'd be like oh not unless you pick a whole flight of strawberries each <laughs> so then we'd have to go out and pick strawberries and like it would just be normal for me but I, my friend Rachel I think she's still scarred from it because <laughs> she <laughs> just the other are so mean. just the other week <laughs> She's like we were hanging out, and it was I'm still friends with her from when we were tiny. Luckily, and yeah, luckily, and uh, she's like, oh, I'm gonna come over and I'm gonna get some strawberries. I'm like, okay, sweet, and I get them around. She's like, I'm not picking them though. Okay, Rachel, you don't have to pick them. Yeah, she's got the memories. They won't leave her. But you also um, had four wheelers. But no, and, and then I we were on the four wheeler, and then like. When I was in high school, I remember I wanted to start working, so I asked my mom if she could put me... I always was doing... I always was super interested in doing the cash register. So, like, even before I actually could work, she would... Like, I would have a little, like, stool, and I would, like, do the cash. And then I actually wanted to start working, so I asked her to put me on the schedule, and then she did, but I kind of messed that up. You fired a couple of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you got to treat them like real employees, I was. Right? There's no... Uh, I was not treated special at all, because yeah. there was one day I remember that I wanted to go to the beach with my friends, and I was supposed to work. You were on the schedule. And I asked my mom, I was like, oh, is it okay? And she's like, oh, well, you're supposed to work. She didn't say I wouldn't... I would be off the schedule if I did go to the beach. Anyways, I went to the beach. Next thing I know, I don't have a job. <gasps> so, tough love. So good, teaches you. Yeah, I know it did. And then she was. Then finally, it was. I got. I didn't all like. And then I worked at Thompson Tents in Belleville all through university, just to like get some other work experience yeah. and stuff. But, um, and then I became very interested in like the social media aspect of like the because I started doing marketing at school. And then I kind of switched over to doing like the social media and website for the orchard, which I really liked. 
Um, so I still do that, but like I basically got a Facebook page for the orchard as soon as Facebook started, mm. um, which was fun. And you kind of we we've gone through like Facebook has changed so much, so like the orchard has changed with it basically, um, which I've enjoyed learning in that. So I've yeah. always done something with the orchard basically, yeah. and I loved working in the fall. Like there'd be I would be working well, I still work full time, and I still want to work on cash in the fall just because and you are amazing like Amelia can answer <laughs> all the questions and then she takes a lot of pressure off Diane Diane runs the store basically we sometimes we drive by ramshackle businesses like farm businesses and I, I'll point out I say well that's what our place would look like if Diane was yep. involved in you the all business. have kind of your strengths I guess right right Diane also went needed. to Guelph Diane has a degree in in um, marketing and accounting and whatever yeah. else and, and she does all our books she does a, just a ton of stuff and all the all the marketing and merchandising in the store and managing all that yeah. I'm mostly just outside I can't cool. take any credit for for anything that happens in there I, yeah. I may try to add my two cents worth but, <laughs> but but my brother and I like always were like wanting to sell stuff or do stuff on our own so like I feel like the merge into having apple fall cider was pretty natural almost because when my brother and I were even little we used to have a greenhouse right here and we used to make a spook barn and it was a dollar for like kids to go in and like get scared and I remember, like, on fall weekends, we'd have, like, $500, and we'd, like, split wow. it between, like, us and our friends. Was that, like, your first entrepreneurial Well, we used to, like, make, I I make friendship bracelets, and used to sell yeah. those at the orchard. And then I remember I really wanted a dog, but I wanted a golden retriever dog, so they were, like, $600. Yeah. So then my dad said that he wouldn't own a dog that was more expensive than his car. So then <laughs> we, we had to save up half of... The money for our dog. Yeah. Because we watched Airbud. Oh, yeah. And that's why I wanted a golden retriever. So then my brother and I had to find creative ways to sell stuff to customers at the orchard in order to save up like $400 for our dog. And we had like a little peanut butter jar. Yeah. And see, uh, this is fascinating. Yeah. I feel as though entrepreneurs, <laughs> like, there are signs kind yeah, of all so we, and life. The we got the dog. She has passed away now, but. Um, so it was a success. It you was a success. But yeah, and then we always would, we were always doing little things like to make money like yeah. at the orchard. So it's literally the most natural progression. Yeah, it really sounds like it. So that kind of leads us to where you are today. So you are now the founder of a company called Apple Falls Cider. Yes. So could you first tell us a little bit about what you do at Apple Falls Cider? So Matt and I, we... And Matt is your boyfriend. Matt is my boyfriend. So we, we've been dating for probably, I think, eight years now. Okay. So, and hi, like his family being on the entrepreneur side as well, we were always kind of like, you always talk about like what you could do or whatever. And yeah. like, I am one of those people that like, don't really like talking about doing something. Either want to talk about it and do it or like I'm just not gonna take the time to talk about it. I love that. Um, so we were talking, we just kept talking about, oh, we're gonna do cider, we're gonna do cider. And then I was like, hey, we literally have to stop talking about doing cider if we're never gonna do it. Because Why like, were you talking about doing cider? Is it just a natural progression well, we, from working on the orchard? We went over to England and there was like so many ciders over there. And I remember my mom would always drink county cider growing up and I was always, it was in like the old plastic bottles they used to have. and. She always was drinking, and when we went over, we went over to London after we graduated for the Olympics. Oh, cool! And she was like, "Oh, you have to have the cider over there; like, it's really good." So then we went over there, and 
that's all I drank over there. And we were like just saying, like, why don't we do cider? Very and cool. all I could envision was like my mom drinking county cider because that was really, this was at probably five years ago. So cider really wasn't that popular then, but it was in England. So then we came back and then my, pressing the sweet cider, he would just press like carboys of it and we just kind of make it as a hobby because you can make up to a certain amount of liters just as a hobby. Yeah. And then we would just have our own we just experiment with different flavors. Like we had one we added candy apple powder to because we wanted to like a candy apple cider. That one didn't taste very good. Uh, but we did our maple syrup one, which we actually still, we still have. We've perfected it obviously. But um, so that's kind of like how it came to be. And then finally Vicky and Jonas, because they're just neighbors, but they own Hinterland Winery. Um, they just kept saying like, why don't you guys do it? Why don't you guys do it? And Vicky is just was so funny she was like all over us about doing it so finally we um applied for a grant and we were just kind of like very skeptical like because we were both working and there's a lot of money and we didn't really have like the startup like capital um and then you go to like these places and they're like massive and you're like this is we're gonna have to like spend a lot of money but then we went out to empire cider and like he's doing like he he does it out of his garage and like they do i don't know when we went there i think he was doing twenty thousand liters um and he was kind of like telling us like you don't like this is how i did it and it was kind of like the lean startup method mm -hmm. if you've read that or listened to that um podcast or it's a book I yeah think, i haven't i've heard of it but i'll link it in the show notes yeah i forget what it's called the lean entrepreneur the lean yeah, startup or something definitely so then matt listened to that and kind of took some tips and tricks from doing it that way opposed to like just jumping a hundred percent in um and which made us feel better about it and then we applied for an EODP grant I think is what it is anyway so then I remember we were leaving for California for a friend's wedding and we got this email that said oh we're willing to pay 50% of your startup costs up to I think 15 grand so I was like all right and then you have to spend it by the end of the summer Wow. So Let's like, go. Okay then. So we bought our first tank. And um, I remember we bought our first tank. Then we went out to Hinterland for like their Hinterlude party or some party that they had. And we told them. And they're like, they were super excited. And then Jonas was like, that's not going to be enough. You need more tanks. Like, okay. He's like, I got some you can borrow. So then the next day we like drove out there, borrowed some tanks from them. And then our first batch was actually from our own 2,000 liter that we bought, but then we also had three 800 liter tanks that Jonas um, lent us. So that was um, that was really nice of them. And uh, so it sounds like you essentially self-taught this yeah, whole so business we, of brewing cider. Like you never went to school for like brewing or no, like cidery, we, or you weren't really in the industry of alcohol even. No, that. like we did it as a hobby a lot, and then we had like a lot of community support. Matt did do a course in Niagara. Oh, neat. Um, but it was a week-long course. Um, but he, Matt self-taught, like, he just read tons of books. And that's and, a genius when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, but like, he... Is he kind of, like, got that entrepreneurial spirit, oh, yeah. that, like, go-getter attitude? Yeah. What is it about him that you think makes him so driven to succeed? And um, Just Money. his... Huh? Money. He wants money. money. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if no. an entrepreneur says that money doesn't matter, it's kind of like, hey, all right, it, uh, it, rewind. Here. It's really not though. Like, no. I don't think he. 
But did you talk about when you were in England together? No, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's just a very intelligent, hardworking person. Like he he went to got his master's in computer programming, so it's not like that's even his field. It's not even related, but but like when you know how to yeah, when you know how to work hard, you know how to work hard with anything really. Like, but again, his family has been entrepreneurial too. Like his dad developed this business, and because they completely transformed it. Yeah, like we grew up in apple bins. Matt grew up in a warehouse with scrapbooking materials. Yeah, like when he was in grade six he actually developed the whole way of like picking orders by barcode and his dad is still using that system today like how to we basically developed like these matrixes to find um different like scrapbooking locations for like each different item because they have like i think ten thousands and thousands of different SKUs. yeah and like it was difficult for them to be able to pick orders like efficiently and yeah when matt was in like grade seven he developed like the whole program on how to most efficiently pick the orders for his dad and they still use that today hmm. so it's not like he but even for all your taxation stuff matt has developed a whole spreadsheet where you, you, you do this and it just it automatically calculates everything and other people will spend hours oh my gosh <laughs> you're lucky the... that he has yeah, some yeah. strengths <laughs> that maybe the rest of the crew yeah, doesn't no, no it is I a well-balanced that's... team these two it because is. matt is, is is the computer guy and amelia is the the marketing person and matt's literally with the balancing of the ciders he's he's very scientific and has scales and all sorts of little, yeah. little lab he's developing yeah you just have a whole lab in there that's awesome and so you really created this business and did a lot of the trial and error while you were both working full-time is that yes. right so how did you manage that like having the energy <laughs> and the excitement to you know develop apple fall cider while you were still trying to hold down jobs like did you find that it was out of balance ever or did it feel easy because you loved it i was easy because like we're always here anyways and like i wouldn't not want to be here i don't think so yeah like that was an easy transition working constantly like it does take a toll but um i mean we figure it out like yeah um, do you give yourself time off or not really? Do you just <laughs> like, know when you've hit a wall? And so that's know? one thing that we've evolved, like because we don't have a cottage or anything, but we've we've developed an oasis behind our house. We have, you know, we live on the water. We have a swimming pool. We've got everything over there. You can beach volleyball dream. courts. We have oh my two, gosh. We have two, <laughs> Olympic, over. We have two <laughs> Olympic beach volleyball courts, and Matt and Amelia have developed. Matt even has an app. He's developed <laughs> no a website. Volleyball. And a website, but yeah. I mean, what's the app? We like have our own private league. Oh, cool! We have like sixty-ish of like friends, family, and like mutual friends. So like every Wednesday, we've created. Everyone submits their name. We create teams. It's like a league, but like not really. We people pay twenty dollars, which like pay for the sand that comes every yeah. year. So. Oh, that's so yeah. neat. We have Another our, entrepreneurial yeah. venture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, have own, we have our own ski hill. We have our own skating rink. Yeah, so like you can do a lot here. Snowmobiles. It's like a yeah. park. We do you don't sn- need a do cottage s- or an escape. We do I mean, I sometimes do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're right. Sometimes a vacation actually is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we go, you know, to the... That's a problem. We've seen more of the Caribbean and the rest of the world other than Canada because we only can travel in the winter. Yeah. But so that's right. We have turned this place into like a park. I love it. Because we don't get to go very far. In that's a great idea. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, like surround yourself with things you love so you never feel like you're, you know, yeah. burning out. Ski boats or jet skis. You name it. 
So, okay, you, you're in the experimentation phase, you're brewing all these ciders, you're getting encouragement. When do you actually sell your first cider? Take us through the process of what it was to actually bottle them and start <laughs> releasing it to the public. What did that look like? So we, you get your excise license first, which is your, it's basically like the federal license. So you're allowed to actually make alcohol. Um, so we got that in the fall, like two years ago-ish, I think. But then it takes like four to six months to actually like ferment cider to an actual product. Okay. So then we were waiting on our actual like provincial like LCBO license to be able to actually sell alcohol. So we bottled everything in, um, I think it was, it was Super Bowl weekend because all our friends were having a Super Bowl party. And uh, my parents were in... Jamaica no Costa Rica at the time and we were like we have to bottle the cider because like it's ready to bottle so we um, had a bunch of friends over we set it up in there we literally had no clue what we were doing and we had bottled the bottles and it was my brother and Matt and I and then we had friends come throughout the like the it weekend was cold too, it, it was freezing it was probably the coldest weekend of the year and we had to have the end of the door open. We're, like, in our scarves, hats, mittens, everything. Like, we had space heaters going, like, everywhere. And, like, we're so lucky that, like, our friends still like us after that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we made them become slaves. <laughs> yeah. you kept them lubricated. Oh, yeah, no. We, oh, yeah. we had, sure like, unlimited there was cider. a lot of, like, quality assurance <laughs> testing. And, like, yeah. some of them, wink, they would wink. take breaks and, like, some would go up to bogging and then they come back. And it was fun. Um, and then I remember, but, like, I think it was the Sunday um, when we were like so dead and we all we wanted to do was finish and our friends were like, oh, come over for Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And I had like apple pulp and gunk all over me and I was in, I was just disgusting. And uh, we finally finished, but like, I think that since the fork, we had to get the cider into the cold room and then the cider house is there and my brother was had left at this point and Matt had to get the cider in the cold room and then the forklift isn't really designed to travel across a skating rink. That's when we were away. That's when you were away. So there were roadblocks. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then we like, like have like that. all of our product on this forklift that's sliding across the parking lot and I'm like, oh my God, it's all going to fall over and now. Oh uh, my God. But we made, it was fine. <laughs> we did. It didn't. Yeah, we got that's it all in the learn. cold room and I was like, of course, the weekend we do it, my parents are away. My, like my dad, like Matt, can kind of drive a forklift like um, he would be the best one to drive the forklift my brother was gone it was funny but it was fine we survived so you bottled it but then what like was it going uh, so somewhere? yeah so then we you selling it, it went into the cold orders? room but then we still didn't have our license yet so it sat for a while okay we couldn't sell it and then our first weekend that we sold it we didn't really know how we we're gonna set up the store or anything and then I remember my mom was just like okay we're doing it this weekend like you have to do it and I was like kind of nervous we didn't really I was planning on kind of doing more of like a soft opening and like posting it to the public yeah but then we weren't really ready to do that either so then we we just set up the back room didn't look at that when it was um we set it up and then we had people coming in saying oh can I buy some can I buy some and like I don't even have pricing yet so then our first sale I think was Hubert and Elizabeth Braun and they bought a case and Hubert's just like what's the price for a case I was like, I don't even know what price is for one. So he's like, okay, I'll, we'll, we're going out. We'll come back in an hour and we'll buy a case. I'm like, okay. So that was our, uh, so we had to get everything set up. We had to get our square set up. 
because we were setting it up while the store was still open. Yeah. Um, so then we literally had not even a soft opening. We just had, just, we're here. It's like a, almost like a, you don't even tell anybody. And then I remember that, Matt's mm -hmm. mom was just said, you didn't even tell me. <laughs> we were like, well, we, we didn't really know. We didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew. It was I was very Stuart came and he was like, oh, I was hoping to come. I wanted to be like your first sale. <laughs> Sorry. But um, the next weekend, we, like, posted more about it and promoted it, and it was better that way. Uh, the second weekend was way, um, we were way more prepared. Awesome. Um, so you kind of go through that soft launch phase, yeah. and then was there ever, like, a, a time when you ramped up the marketing, or has it all just really been referral and organic and uh, just people coming into the orchard and finding the cider? I'd say a little bit of both. Like, we, we st well, as soon as we started getting a little more into restaurants, um, the cider kind of started selling more because you get the tourists that go to the restaurants and then they have your cider and then they come out and um, they buy today. it. Like a person today bought 25 ciders because they had it at the Miller House in on Lake on the Mountain. Yep. Um, she loved it. That was probably the best licensee referral that we've had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you get in the restaurants, that's I think the best marketing that you can have for your product um so let's actually stop there for a sec because we have a lot of listeners who have created products uh maybe that they have a little shop on etsy or mm -hmm. they make some sort of craft item that could be in retail stores but they are kind of facing a block on not knowing how to get their product into the hands of others who can sell it on behalf of them right. so i would love to know how did you find your stockists and like what did that process look like? Um, I think they found you. No, they did. Like I, I, I wish like I had advice, but like we didn't really go out searching for it as hard as I feel like breweries or people that have like larger volume that they can turn over their volume quicker. Like we are so small it's a very difficult balancing act to figure out like who you when you want to get them into restaurants versus what you want to sell here because we honestly make more money when we sell it out of the orchard because the government taxes pretty heavily on um, alcohol when as a licensee mm -hmm. um, so it is obviously more worth it for us to sell it out of our like bottle shop um, but then you need to sell it at restaurants because that's how you get like your word of mouth and like your people actually like trying your your cider um, so we wanted to keep it a little bit like more close, closer, like circle for, um, restaurants, but just, I would say going to, uh, shows, like we went to Hops in the Water and Homegrown, and then you meet a lot of people that, um, have connections to restaurants mm -hmm. and then they, I think word of mouth is probably the most because that kind of creates more credibility for your product if someone else is like referring you mm -hmm. almost they were so, searching for it. like we did the cheese show and it was yeah. thousands of people at that cheese show so like yeah when you have some credibility through somebody else other than sure then uh yourself i think that's a good way to do it so like i don't know markets or just local connections or mm -hmm. that sort of thing Oh, we're getting more cider here. Yeah. It's just the heritage, which has... Exciting. They put 40 liters of our neighbor's maple syrup in it. Oh, wow. Mm. So that, this is my favorite. Thank you. <laughs> Excited. It has a I little did, bit of a different You can have color. more this time. Yeah, I only got a drag I know. <laughs> yeah, I would say Ooh, just... Ooh, that like, is really good. This stuff packs a punch. Like, I could have this much wine. Yep. And it doesn't really... I don't feel much of a buzz on that. 
this, I go, what? It hits you like a hammer sometimes. Oh, God. <laughs> um, okay, so, so, where were we on that one? Uh, licensees, restaurants. Licensees, okay. I feel like we answered that. Yeah. I'll crop this a little bit out. Um, da, da, da. Where do I want to go next? Do you have, like, a mission statement? We do. I, oh, I meant to look. It was on our website. Okay. Basic. Pull it up, and then I'll start recording I again. This one's very good. I find this just a little smoother. It's certainly definitely not sweet. But it's just... The other one's a bit more tart, I find. Mm. I love the tartness, though. We are also working on one, or they are working on one, with some red wine we got from a local Ooh. winery, too. So it'll be like Great a... idea. I've mm -hmm. never actually heard of that in a cider before. Oh, the, uh, Palmy's has one, actually. Okay. Shiny, shiny, shiny cider. Oh, no, shiny cider, shiny I think. Shiny yeah. cider has a Pinot one that was really nice. And then... We had a local Terra States winery. I uh, had some leftover grape juice that they they got us, and it really. Uh, Basically, really our mission statement was to create ciders that feature the true flavors of Prince Edward County. Okay, I'll get you to repeat that actually okay. once I ask the question. Um, yeah, we'll chat about your mission statement. You can read that out. And then I'm going to ask you about the branding, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. Did you work with someone on the graphic design, or did you guys come up with this? Yeah, so we actually, um, we were having issues, like, we didn't have issues, but I mean, your logo, I feel like, was the part where we got hung up on. Yeah. Because we were trying to do stuff, obviously that was affordable for ourselves, because we hadn't sold a single bottle of cider at this point. Um, and wait, you don't have to tell the story yet. I'm oh, gonna okay. ask you still in a sec, but yeah, you do have a story behind yeah, the logo yeah, yeah. and the branding. Okay, cool. Okay, so we'll start with first the mission statement. Oh, so Amelia, do you guys have a mission statement or any like guiding principles behind Apple Falls Cider? Basically, we wanted to create a cider that um, created the true flavors of Prince Edward County and Campbell's Orchards. Very cool. Um, so keeping kind of the family orchard in there, but also a reflection of the where county it's itself. Brewed. Do you call it brewing or it's fermenting? Fermenting. Yeah. It so is we it is like a wine. Because brewing, the uh, definition of brewing is heating something up. Because when you make beer, you actually heat up. You have like kettle, so you heat up um, the your whatever it's called your mash okay and then you ferment the mash that you make yeah when solder you don't heat anything up so you're it's just technically fermenting. just fermenting there's yes. a really good article in this month's edition of the lcbl magazine all oh, about yeah? cider mm -hmm. and it, it's, i will try to link that and, up and it has a wonderful history of cider and the evolution and they have county I read it. a bunch of people have told me about it's it it's really well done perfect i will definitely link that in the show notes um, okay, and kind of while we're on that topic of business and branding, how did you come up with the logo, which is awesome, <laughs> and, and the branding that's on each of your ciders? Um, we, we really wanted a good logo. Um, we played around ourselves with like our own designs and stuff. Like, obviously, we're not graphic designers, and I mean, you have to give it to them when you're a graphic designer. You're other, like, people can't do what you do. So we were referred to a guy in Kingston who um, does a lot of work for Stone City Beer. Oh, I forget his name. That's okay. He's, he does a lot of, uh, he's very good though. He actually, if you, any, every en route, 
Kingston does so much with him. Like, even Tourism Kingston does a lot with him. Awesome. Um, he, Perez, that's his last name. Anyways, he, we contacted him and uh, kind of told him our, our vision and different ideas. We put a whole storyboard together for, like, what our thoughts were. But we didn't even have, we didn't have cider yet. We didn't have, we weren't selling cider yet. It was still just in the clouds, basically, the idea of Apple Fall Cider. So then he sent us a bunch of different ideas and we worked with him and then it was my dad's uh kind of I, it was my dad's idea to have like the apple kind of like hidden in the i egg, didn't the even notice that apple. until yeah. now very clever so that was him great um, idea, because Colin. you were in niagara or in new york when there was a place that kind of the same thing with like a pear yeah, you, you sent most us the of picture. my ideas are stolen, really. Yeah, well, <laughs> nobody reinvents the wheel. Like, we exactly. all are inspired by what's already out there uh-huh. in the world, and we then you modify. With, we're members of the Ontario Farm Fresh Marketing Association, and we do international tours, and, and we just glean ideas or steal them from everywhere, and, and anywhere I go. You just see things in the Wasn't imitation the best form of flattery? Flattery. Yeah. You know, even exactly. this little playground, <laughs> I saw that in California, that this tree fort and, and the Tonka trucks. And, and we I just stick that in the back of my mind or take photos of it. And, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's great advice for anyone, too. It's like if you're stuck on anything in your business, like go gather inspiration go from out. what's already done because mm-hmm. you'll like put we went your to a bunch of different cideries and everything. You get inspired, yeah. any like you just I need to get reinvigorated. I'm going <laughs> to a thing in New York on August 1st, and I, I, I almost need to go to it just to get me yeah. fired up for and see what these other people are doing. And then I come back, I sometimes I feel like a lazy slug. Oh my goodness. It's true. You have to surround so, yourself with people who are doing it better than you, right? But I think they were wise getting a professional. Yeah, we to got help it. We got a professional. I can, you can look. And that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall down with thinking that they can do their sign or their logo themselves. But we have done that too. And there's parts of our business that I'm like, you could do better. But it's also time. But at least you know that you tell yourself that. But then, so yeah, we did the logo. And then, because Matt's stepbrother is, uh, he's a designer by like hobby, I'd say. Um, he, he work, he's a landscape engineer, so he's very artistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, he actually did the design for all of our labels that we did. Um, and he's, he's really good and he helped us a lot with ideas and branding too. Um, just with like his artistic eye that he has. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And it looks really great. It's very eye catching. And I think that's a good point. Like, yes, it's great to try uh, doing things like branding logos yourself. But, you know, if you're feeling like it's not your specialty, never be afraid to ask for well, help. Other people have specialties. Or hire help, <laughs> yeah. right? Because, yes, you, you contacted someone who obviously that's their zone of genius. You can't be logos. good at everything. No. A friend of mine told <laughs> and me you that should recognize I, that. I said, oh, I wish I could do that. And he says, you know what? You're good at other things. You yeah. can't be good at everything. And that, to mm-hmm. me, that was, it's a, something that stays in my head. And yeah. even after our fire, I did a lot of the interior stuff and I really shouldn't have done it. I should have let a professional do the interior trimming and all stuff. And mm-hmm. I should have been doing what I do because I, <laughs> that year we lost a lot just because I hadn't done as good a job on what I, what I do because I was doing what other people should do. And, yeah. and, and so give it to the professionals, let them absolutely do what they're good at. So Amelia, you've obviously achieved a lot of exciting things with creating Apple Falls Cider. Is there a milestone that you're proud of? 
thus far in your business? Um, I would say I was, I was happy when, I mean, as happy as we were when we sold out of our first batch of cider, like that was pretty exciting. Um, the timing wasn't perfect. So I don't think we could really be happy about it, but like it was pretty cool because we literally sold out of cider the nothing. weekend of the Labor Day weekend <laughs> was when the store is the busiest and yeah. we had nothing on the shelf. So then we rushed into selling our second batch of cider, which was fine. But um, I would say I was most proud of that. Um, but even though it was more kind of stress, more stressful than yeah. it was like to give yourself time to like be happy and excited about it. Yeah, you kind of like went on to the next stressful event, but at the same time, I think that's cool. Yeah. It's still like an amazing. And making it through our first fall, like I yeah. was happy about that. And but you're on the learning curve, and you're at the bottom. Getting maybe the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it was fun. Like I was nervous about the fall because like the store is lined up, like cars are down the road, and wow. you can't move in the store. It's packed, and I was nervous about how we were gonna do our cider. And we had, we hired a girl to help us out. There was two to three of us behind the tasting room at all, all times. It was awesome. It went so well. Very cool. Um, but then it was like, so you're excited that you're, you go off like such a rush from that. And then November, December hits. And it's like, everyone just forgets about you. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, like you don't really forgotten because it just goes back to like your regular pace. Yeah. But then you're just getting off such like a rush. It's like when you get off the 401 mm -hmm. and you still want to be driving as fast as you are, but like you can't you have to slow, down. You have to slow down. And you're like, this is not the place <laughs> yeah. for it. So, so yeah, there's definitely a seasonality oh, yeah. to your business. Both of your businesses. Well, that's right. Yeah. November comes, we don't know where the people all go. Like yeah. we're rocking <laughs> until and then the first week in November, we're all fired up. We still have all the same stuff and going, huh. <laughs> yeah, so the drought begins. Yeah, but that happens like at every. Business. We should be used to it by now. Yeah, yeah, still shocking. And you're on a high, like you said. Yeah. Um, what are the future plans, or do you have any visions for growth of Apple Falls cider? What's next for you both? Um, lots. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Share uh, a couple things. You have, Keep brewing, you obviously, obviously have your ideas. Like, um, it'd be nice to. Oh, we expanded, so you see, like the new section of like the cider house. Yep. So that is brand new. So that was finished last fall. Okay. So we were able to move all of our tanks in there. So that was our miniature growth, I'd say, from last year. Um, but you'd like to have this whole building. We'd as like your to own, have then production of everything is going to move over to another building. Yeah, we'd like to have production side. like a bigger area, and then like our own tasting room, bar area that people can come to. Mm. Um, not that I'm like like not, not that I don't like being there, but it would be nice to have like a cool tasting room bar that you can still be a part of the orchard, but like still have your own space at the same time. Well, they Absolutely. talked about this old service station. Yeah, next so there's door like a service station where, where all those tall trees are right there. Okay, so um, it's, it's not operating. It's anymore? a complete eyesore, but it's 0.4 of an acre. And it's just very overpriced, but it's like a little puzzle piece of the orchard. And we can't, we wish we would like to purchase it and turn it into a cool venue or something, but um, it's just, it is very overpriced. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, well, that's that's one of the future ideas. It is yeah. a future idea. Yeah. Like it would you be neat, have like to be looking. Your right? patio would like look on. It would back onto like those apple trees, which would be really nice. And um, my brother and Matt and I have discussed like, oh, we could have like a cool restaurant there and like specialize in different ciders and like do all the f- like everything that the orchard grows like with. I don't know. It would be I neat. So, so you're you're thinking. You talk about all different ideas, but yeah. I mean, they're they are long term, but. Yeah. That service station would, would be nice to exper- mm. have have stuff to do over there. Or just That's plow it really down and have cool. more parking. Or we, just need, we need more, more parking. parking. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, open the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. Well, it's been so, so great chatting with both of you. Uh, maybe I'll leave us with one last question. And if you could both answer, that would be wonderful. But for someone listening who is yearning to start up a side hustle, a passion project, an online business, or a full-time venture, but doesn't know where to begin, what advice could you offer them based on your own experience? Um, I would say just do it and stop talking about it. <laughs> That's so my style, yeah. too. <laughs> Enough of the talk. Just go do something. Just, like, just even start slow, even. Um, like look at Kenzie's little business. Yeah, like, like apply has... for grants or like do research or something. Mm-hmm. Like grow yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, Millie did get a nice grant for, uh, to help get the business. I think people forget going. about things mm-hmm. like that, but you're right. Every city has so much. Mm-hmm. Like this one specifically for the county too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten other stuff from them since then. Like they they helped us pay for the cider course that Matt went to. And they helped us. We have we have a because um, you, you it, it also forced us to put a business plan together too because we um, we didn't we didn't have a business plan and then in order to apply for the grant you needed a business plan. So we spent like a week at, long after work writing up a business plan, which um, is good. Which was good. Which we had important. it and it yeah. like it forced you to like think of the stuff that you didn't necessarily think of. So make yourself feel a little uncomfortable doing certain things. Do yeah. your research, do your homework, be prepared to, to, you know, just work. Have bad days. Have bad days. <laughs> no, it's important not quit on the bad days, right? I'm sure you've had... thrown in front of you. Get annoyed like at stuff. <laughs> like just this year, because we turned into a corporation, um, basically like a month after we opened, but then we, op- we got our excise license through like just not being a corporation. So then a year later, our excise expired. So then they they make you reapply for everything. So you have to redo your whole business plan. You have to redo everything. And that was and then they contacted Matt and said, Oh, it expires in thirty days. So then I emailed the girl questions and she was on holidays for thirty days. So <laughs> <laughs> we were like, Okay. Oh. Yeah, that was You're kidding. Yeah, oh so then my. we didn't really know what to do. So then finally she, I just Were you drinking that? The bottomless no. class. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. I would say be prepared for road roadblocks i think that's all really really good advice and so i wish you both all the success in your business ventures and it's been really great to feature your stories on the visionary life podcast i know it will land with a lot of people whether they're in the apple business or not so (laughs) thanks for being on the show today yeah well thank you for coming out thanks for listening to this episode of visionary life What did you think? Did you learn something new, get inspired, or maybe you're ready to take some action on a new project? I hope so. My intention is to build community and conversation around the topics of building a visionary career path, entrepreneurship, and living the life you truly love. 
I'd love for you to join the Visionary Life Insiders community. Just search Visionary Life on Facebook. We talk about our favorite books and podcasts, things that make our lives easier, and the tough times and challenges faced as an entrepreneur, as well as all things visionary. You can also find me on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I send a gift and a little visionary love note to everyone who leaves a rating and review. Just snap a screenshot and send it to me with your shipping address. If you're interested in working together or collaborating, just head to KelseyRidal.com. Until next Sunday, have a visionary day.